So if from a marketing standpoint, if you want to be epic and successful and really add value to the world beyond just trying to make money, and I'm not saying we don't want to make money, everyone wants to have a good lifestyle, but it would be nice to do that in an ethical way. And to me, the only ethical way to do that is to give a lot more value than you charge in terms of dollars. And to do that successfully, you need to really understand your market and your customer deeply. Welcome to the Marketing Your Practice podcast, where we guide natural health and wellness experts through the pitfalls of marketing. Each episode, you'll learn simple, effective, easily actionable, and heart-centered marketing strategies. And here's your host, Angus Pike. Well, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, and welcome to the Marketing Your Practice podcast. We've got an exciting session ahead of us. Ash, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me on, Angus. It's an honor. Well, you and I have both, we're inside a similar coaching program with James Schramko, the super fast business. And I've been watching your prolific contribution inside of that as, as well. And I reached out for some podcast guests recently and you raised your hand. And when I spent some time having a look back through your uh, past you know, podcast guests that you've had, all the things that you've done, uh, man, to say that I was excited about this chat is an absolute under uh, an understatement as well. So for our audience that haven't had the pleasure of uh, uh, seeing what you've done and being beside you, let's catch them all up. Let's let them know a little bit about your brilliance. And then I'm excited to get into some pretty juicy stuff today. Thank you, Angus. So um, first of all, I just want to uh, you know, give a hat tip to our common friend, James Tramco. It was him who almost personally helped me to launch my podcast four years ago. And pretty much insisted that I publish this one interview with Neil Patel that was sitting on my computer for a year and a half that I was too scared to publish. So he definitely gets a lot of the credit for, you know, getting me up and moving. Um, after that, it was a lot of hard work, like anything worthwhile. And I have had some of the world's leading online entrepreneurs, which I'm honored to have had on. And I still sometimes feel like I have to pinch myself, you know, because it just feels like it's not, it's a dream. Uh, but that said, I've learned a lot as, uh, from having had these guests on the show and the podcast has been an excellent tool. Uh, in terms of my own background, I, you know, trained as, uh, an accountant. I don't like admitting this very often, but I, I did my CPA back in 1997 and it beat all the personality out of me. But then I did my MBA in 2004 and that redeemed me somewhat. Uh, I fell in love with marketing when I did my MBA and I was doing a lot of consulting to large firms like the banks and uh, pharmaceuticals towards the end and Telstra and so on. I was working uh, in a, as an analyst in a consultative capacity. And then due to a series of personal uh, events that happened in my life, I realized how short our time is on this earth. I'd watched the Steve Jobs Stanford address around that time. It was about 2013 when I decided to launch the Productive Insights podcast. And it's just been a, an exhilarating journey. It hasn't been easy. Um, I don't believe there is any such thing as an overnight success or as John McGrath, the founder of McGrath Real Estate, when he was on my podcast, he said, it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. And I think he really encapsulated it really well because it's a lot of hard work. There are, there are no quick wins in my opinion. Uh, and a lot of people who will tell you otherwise are either lying or deluded. Mm. So, in, you know, the guests you talked about before, some of the world's leading online entrepreneurs that you've had on there, 
Could you share with us maybe two or three of the big learnings that you've kind of had? So one you sort of shared there from John is this concept of 10 years to become the overnight success. Along this journey since you've launched your podcast, have there been other things that have kind of had that same kind of stick with you as well? Absolutely. So one of the themes with a lot of the guests has been all of these guests that have made it, quote unquote made it, have found a way to face their fears and act in spite of their fears as opposed to being able to either ignore them or suppress them. I remember having a really great conversation with Amy Porterfield about her fear of being on video and we both had our own fears around that time and we kind of had a coming out session about our respective fears and since then she's gone on to do amazing things with video. Um, I can't say the same about myself yet but I'm getting there. Um, and very then there was there, Ash. Oh, yeah, very kind. Um, but Amy really has taken her game up a notch in terms of uh, creating more video content. Uh, another a tool that I learned that was absolutely phenomenal around being able to overcome your fears was in my interview with Todd Herman, who wrote the book called The Alter Ego Effect. And for me personally, that was extremely powerful because he teaches you to essentially adopt an alter ego, whether it's Superman or Batman or Wonder Woman, and you adopt these personality, personality traits and use the impetus or the agency that comes from adopting those personas, even if it's for a short period of time, to almost sidestep your mental baggage and your history if you want to push past the fear. So that was a great tool. Another one was with James Clear, who's the author of The Atomic Habits. He had almost the other end of the spectrum, which was, you know, you keep on keeping on, you rearrange your environment to create habits that then propel you to success and you just you know use the drip 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 approach so there's many ways of approaching it uh but from a mindset standpoint those were some of the valuable insights noah kagan challenged me to publish my course and i published it within a week of that conversation that helped in terms of marketing and most of my guests have been marketing experts what i learned was there are a gazillion channel, channels out there, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, um, chatbots, messenger, email marketing, on and on it goes. But all these are just vehicles to deliver value and to solve a problem of your target audience. So if from a marketing standpoint, if you want to be epic and successful and really add value to the world beyond just trying to make money, and I'm not saying we don't want to make money. Everyone wants to have a good lifestyle, but it would be nice to do that in an ethical way. And to me, the only ethical way to do that is to give a lot more value than you charge in terms of dollars. And to do that successfully, you need to really understand your market and your customer deeply. And you can do that by creating empathy maps or, you know, doing a detailed customer avatar or both. Um, I remember talking to Brian Clark, the founder of CopyBlogger, about this. That will help you to humanize your content. You have a good quality content strategy that really solves problems and gives value before asking for the sale. Mm. You use automation sequences, which allow you to deliver relevant content and relevant solutions, again, before asking for the sale. And then you create an offer that is very relevant to your target market that solves the problem. Once you do all these things right, your offer, your content, all of these things will work for you 
and almost sell themselves, including the free content. And then whether you do it via Twitter or Facebook or Google AdWords or YouTube, all that just becomes relatively irrelevant. Mm. Those just become channels. You know, if you want to get from point A to point B, whether you go there in a Merc or a Toyota or a plane, it doesn't matter. And to me that, you know, channels, Twitter, Facebook, and all these are just, you know, vehicles, modes of transport. I, I love the way, Ash, that you put that because it's a question that comes to me all the time, um, you know, from practitioners around the world that as they're wanting to, to start to market their message and step out into their community, there's this question of where do I start? And the first question they ask is, you know, should I concentrate on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook? Maybe I should start a podcast. What should I need to do on my website? And I'm really hearing you saying here, that's probably the wrong question to ask to begin. Correct. That we need exactly. to go back that too. So where, before I'm even asking the question of what platform, let's take it right back. There's so many things that you said before that I want to kind of double tap on. So where do we begin? What's the right question to ask? The best question, in my opinion, to ask is, who am I serving and what problem can I help them to solve? That's where you start. So with the who am I serving, the next challenge that often comes up with that too is, um, you know, I'm talking to a young chiropractor that's uh, setting up his practice and we have this conversation of who do I serve? And his first response to me is, look, you know what, anyone with a spine and I help people from the womb to the tomb, you know, or yeah. you could imagine a dentist saying, you know, who's your audience? Well, you know what, if you've got a set of teeth, then you need to be going yeah. to a dentist or a massage yes. therapist, like who doesn't need a good massage? So we come across yeah. these hurdles there as well. How would you deal with that? And how can we help to perhaps narrow that down a little? That's a great question. So now we're talking about niching and you know, you can niche based on product or person or a combination of the two. So yes, if you're a dentist, you start with, I serve anyone with teeth or maybe no teeth if they want teeth replaced or whatever. But the, the point then is, okay, but you've got orthodontists, you've got, you know, different kinds of specialties in dentists. And that in itself is an indication, right? That is a form of specialization. So some dentists are particularly good at maybe diagnostics and helping people solve challenges around gum decay, for example. Other dentists might be particularly skilled at, at helping their audience or their clients or their patients uh, use preventative methods. So I'm a little bit out of my depth here, but the point is that you can niche down based on what you're naturally good at and specific problems that these people with teeth need to solve. And people with teeth have different kinds of problems. Mm. So uh, yes, while you're saying people with teeth is your target audience, you can then go into further detail. And that's where we start talking about things like competitive advantage. Mm. And competitive advantage is simply, it, it's a fancy term that I learned when I did my MBA, but it's simply just your capability of doing something better than the rest of the market, your superpower, if you like. Um, and when Warren Buffett invests in a company, he invests in a company that he believes has durable competitive advantage that is cheap for them to retain. So an example of uh, a company with competitive advantage might be Apple's ability to deliver simplified and elegant products uh, that are well designed for their specific target market. 
Apple doesn't appeal to everyone. They're very, very targeted. But the people that do tend to buy their products buy more than one product. Mm. And they buy the ethos. They buy the aesthetics and the overall wall-to-wall solutions that Apple products tend to offer. Yes. Um, so they buy the, the, the experience, the overall experience of technology in their lives. Does that help? Yeah, it does. And I wonder this too, Ash, I'd love your thoughts on this because, you know, there was a, a, when I started and you talked about falling in love with marketing during your MBA, and I, I remember the time when I literally fell in love with marketing too. And for a long time, I heard this concept of narrowing down my focus. But in the back of my mind, it, it, I was always kind of saying this, look, if I went fishing, I'd much rather go and fish in the pond where there's lots of fish, not just fish in the pond where there's a little bit. So I'm, I'm like, you know, if I go back to the example of the dentist again, and you know, wouldn't, wouldn't it make sense that I reach out to people with teeth because everyone's got teeth, there's more people for me to speak to. You know, I want to market to the largest possible audience. But in actual fact, in practical reality, when we try and market with it to everyone, we often get less results than when we try and market to a small group of people. Could you talk about that a little bit and what you've learned about that and, and perhaps to help our audience know why they should, again, focus down? Sure. So I'm going to actually challenge that paradigm a little bit. So um, the general view in marketing is if you try and be everything to everyone, you'll be nothing to anyone or nothing to no one or whatever the phrase is. Hmm. The point is, yes, that is true because your message, the logic behind that is that your message ends up getting so diluted and unfocused that you don't appeal to anybody. And today's environment has so much noise and so much information and so much marketing coming at each of us nonstop that we have the equivalent of what used to be called banner blindness or ad blindness. Um, there, is, there is one person who, I, who trained me to write, a guy called John Morrow, who used to write for Copyblogger and now has his own business, <clears throat> one of the greatest writers I've come across. And his view was actually go for the big markets and don't go for niches. Um, but his approach was using blogging. And to some extent, that was slightly different, perhaps. That said, whether you're going, going back to your fishing analogy, if you go to a place where there's a lot of fish in a concentrated area and you're using the right bait, then yes, you're better off going to the area where there's a high density, a high population of fish to be successful as compared to uh, where there is, where the population of fish is very sparse. But I think the question that you're asking me, correct me if I'm wrong, is am I better off going with a fishing rod in a pond which has, I don't know, one fish every 10 square meters rather than going to an ocean which might have one fish every 10 square meters but most of them are at the bottom of the sea about 200 kilometers into the ocean is that right yeah yeah and i think because you kind of you know my take on things and, and having really certainly over this last four or five years worked much more closely with practitioners is that when you talk about this concept of banner blindness you know there used to be a time that in, and again, comes back to this concept you talked about of a competitive advantage. There was a time that if your practice had a website, that was a competitive advantage. There was yes. a time that if you were active just on Facebook and you could get friends and likes 
um, at that stage. That was a competitive advantage. Yes. And then there was a time that if you started to do video, then these were yes. things that all you had to do to have that competitive advantage. But it yes. seems that all of these things are just a given now. And when we're thumbing through Facebook or Instagram, we're looking for something, my experience is, that says, this is for me. And if I'm trying to communicate to everybody, my chances of somebody saying, this is for me, starts to decrease. So instead of saying, hey, listen, I'm, 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 I'm the chiropractor that really loves looking after athletes. You know, if I'm an athlete flicking through, that that'll stop for me versus, you know what? So when we narrow our focus down, my experience is there too, is that we have more chance of stopping and having somebody say, this is for me, hence them, you know, consuming our content. Yes, absolutely. I agree with that. And this is why, in my view, it comes back to asking that basic question, which is who am I serving and what specific problem am I helping them solve? Whether I do that through free content that then leads them into my, leads them to purchase my products because it solves a problem to purchase, which, which leads to them purchasing my product, or whether it is paid products that they purchase from me because it's so valuable that is sort of doesn't matter. And you talked about the Instagram, the Facebook and all these, um, you know, the, the noise becoming louder and louder. Well, those are the channels. Those are the vehicles, those are the highways, if you like using that analogy. Yes, the highways are getting more crowded and yes, you need to have a particular offer that really stands out to your audience that they identify with and they reach out to. And to that extent, yes, you need to be very targeted, but then that comes back to really understanding who you're serving and what specific problem you're going to help them serve. So if we go back to the dentist analogy, if the dentist asks himself or herself the question, who with teeth am I serving and what specific problem about their teeth do I have a natural competitive advantage in helping them solve? Mm. they are going to be a lot more targeted in their communication. Yeah. If it's okay, I would like to share a really valuable analogy that uh, Joe Polizzi and I discussed when I had him on the podcast. He's the founder of Content Marketing Institute. And it's about meeting your customer where they are on their journey with your content. Would you like me to share that? That'd be good. I'm thinking though, let's keep away from fishing analogies because it's really clear that neither you or I know anything about fishing at all. So I am bat mental note, no more fishing analogies. Yeah, what did okay, Joe have to say about all of this? Okay, so this one is a, this one is a washing machine analogy. Um, so what um, Joe Polizzi was saying to me was, you know, you need to really create content that meets their customer where they are on their journey. And now we're jumping into the marketing conversation a little bit. This is the content marketing approach. Imagine a piece of content um, that is, say, created by a company like Whirlpool. The Whirlpool's trying to promote their washing machines, their products, and they're trying to say, hey, our products are the best and here's why they're the best. You know, they have these amazing tools and this amazing uh, technology that we've used to create these washing machines, et cetera, et cetera. And they're harping on about how their products are the best in the world and that's what's on their blog. Now, Fisher and Paykel or some other company, General Electric, might have a piece of content that helps them, that helps the customer to decide whether they need a front loader or a top loader, because that is the decision they need to make. That is the problem they need to solve before they purchase a washing machine. 
So if I'm typing into Google, um, you know, if I'm looking for a washing machine and I don't know the difference between a front and a top loader, I might type in top loader versus front loader and up comes this blog post, which gives me this beautiful framework to decide on what I need. And it's got these sliders and all that sort of stuff and bang, I end up with a solution. Yes, I need a front loader. So if then the offer for buying a front loader happens to be on that website and that website happens to belong to General Electric, chances are they are going to have the privilege of being able to do business with me mm. because I, because I solved their problem uh, or with, sorry, with general electric because general electric solved the problem. So the point here is you need to understand your customer well enough to be able to solve their problem, which will then allow you to earn the right to serve them in a more, um, you know, serve them in a, business capacity. Um, and this is why the banks often have calculators on their websites, which cost them, cost them millions of dollars to create, but they're solving a problem that leads to a decision about mortgages. Got it. And so I'm wondering, might this be an example that, you know, that can get a bit closer to some of our listening audience that let's just say that like me, that you're a chiropractor and you love helping people that have cranky low backs. And then you might write an article or put a video together that says, you know, low back pain, should you see the chiropractor, the physio, the osteo or get a massage? Spot on. Right. And so we could work our way through there and talk about each of those options there and then provide a solution. I love that as a concept. Exactly. So what you want to do and the way you, you arrive at that sort of content is you ask yourself back to the same old question, who am I serving and what problem am I solving? So you map, you then map a path that they need to follow to be able to arrive at the conclusion. So let's say I'm serving anyone who has back problems, but as a chiropractor, I serve them. I, I serve a certain proportion of those people. So let's say you map the path. Stage one, my client, my patient is experiencing back pain and they're not sure whether it's muscular or it's nerve related or it's something to do with the skeletal system. Um, They just know that they have back pain. Stage two, they have some kind of experience, whether it's through content or talking to somebody and they they narrow it down to, okay, it's a muscular issue. So then stage three, they go see a masseuse. Stage four, they're healthy and they're fine again. Maybe if they decide at stage two that it's actually a, um, a skeletal, muscular skeletal issue, then they um, then find their way to a chiropractor. The chiropractor helps them solve that problem and they are free of pain. So if you can map that journey and map the different parts that journey can take, then your content can help them solve a problem and you're not trying to just pitch them your services. You're not being sleazy and salesy. You're genuinely trying to help them mm. through your content. And then if you can tie that into an intelligent automated content delivery system using active campaign and tagging, then depending on what links they click, you can put them onto autoresponder sequences that are actually targeted to solving their problem. And Andre Chaperon does this really well. I, interviewed him as well. And he's really good at creating these, uh, you know, nurture sequences. And then Barry Moore, uh, the founder of the active marketer is really good at the tagging aspect of it. So if you use technology, you can be relevant. And the key here is being relevant. Mm. 
and continually trying to solve problems of your target audience to be able to deliver a solution, whether it happens to be a paid solution or not. Yeah, I, I love that. So, and I've not often actually thought of that step beforehand because lots of when I'm talking about people creating content, I've, I'm helping them create content that says, look, I've got back pain, I want to get out of back pain. What are the things that I can show you how to do now with regards to what stretches, how can you naturally decrease your inflammation, manage your stress, where to sleep, all those kind of stuff there too. But there's a step beforehand that I can kind of help them choose who to even find. And I, I, you know, I, I want to challenge our listeners now, because maybe you're a naturopath out there and you love helping people with digestive problems. Well, someone's got to find themselves to you first. So it's like, hey, man, upset tummy. Do I need to go to the doctor? Do I need a gastroscopy? You know, should I go to the naturopath? Should I go to the homeopath? Should I go to the Chinese med practitioner? That we can guide them in terms of how they... I, I, that pre-step there is not something I've ever kind of really thought about before. And I could see how that would be massively helpful um, in, you know, in guiding my audience a step kind of closer to getting a, a result as well. So here's a powerful tool that I think will help to arrive at that depth of insight for your customer. Uh, two tools, actually. One is creating a customer avatar, which is really just asking yourself, who's my ideal customer? Or even interview, asking yourself about people you've served in the past. You know, what is their average age? What are their demographics? Whereabouts do they live? What problems do they tend to have? What's their average income? You try and you know, understand as much about them. That's one tool. But a second tool that I think is, you know, even better at helping you to live, breathe and walk like a customer is creating an empathy map. And so an empathy map is just asking yourself, well, what is my customer thinking, feeling, hearing, doing at a, at a certain point in time? And you can do an empathy map for before they consume your product or your service, while they're consuming a product or your service and after they consume your product or your service. And when you physically write it down on a piece of paper or on a whiteboard, you start to, that structure helps you, the act of putting it in that structure helps you to develop some deep insights that you probably wouldn't have expected to come up. You start to discover these nuances about your audience. Um, and then you also can add their fears and frustrations and their dreams and aspirations at the bottom of the empathy map if you want. So the way our listeners can do it if they're listening right now is just take an, a photo or draw a little circle in the middle of a piece of paper um, and imagine your ideal customer in the middle there, someone you've actually dealt with if possible, and then create um, four sections. You know, what is my customer thinking? What is my customer feeling? What is my customer seeing? What is my customer doing? And then in the bottom, you might have their fears and frustrations. And on the right-hand side, on the bottom, you might have their dreams and aspirations. And you just fill that out. And you say, what is my customer thinking, feeling, saying, doing before they even reach out to me? What are they thinking, feeling, saying, doing when they're in my practice, in my surgery? What are they thinking, feeling, saying, doing when they're walking out of my surgery? And you start to develop this deep empathy for your customer. And I think marketing is just about empathy. Ash, with this that empathy map, which I love. And for those of you that are listening as you're driving along, I'll pop all of this in the show notes so you can kind of double back. So just head on over to adiomedia.com forward slash podcast. You'll find this session with Ash and I, and I'll write down about the points inside that empathy map, uh, map there too. When we started off this conversation early on, we talked about solving problems. 
Yes. And I've got to imagine that from that empathy map there too, we're going to get really clear about what their problems are. Then yes. we can look at how we solve them. And then we go, okay, what medium do I want to do it by? Do I do it on a video? Exactly. Do I want to write an article? Yes. So is that it, Angus. Yeah, got That's it. Right. And not only that, when you do an empathy map, you often realize that they have multiple problems and now you're better equipped to solve the right problem based on your natural competitive advantage. Yeah. And this you is see how it all ties together. I, I really do. And this is the kind of work that, you know, I, I see it, it, it can get quite exciting because, uh, you know, when I talk about we, we want to get to market, like I'm ready to start this marketing thing. I want to, and so we jump straight in. What does the end product look, look, looks like? Looks like me making some videos and sharing them everywhere. I do that and I get zero results. And so therefore I come up with this idea of, well, marketing doesn't work. Social media is a waste of time but we've missed some of the really important steps that happened right back at the beginning, of which I love the concept of the empathy map that helps us identify the problems, we provide the solutions, we choose the format. And all of this gang, you know, we talk about lots inside of Adiometer, this concept of the more people that know, like, and trust you, the more your phone will ring, the busier your practice will be. And Ash has just given us an absolute piece of gold there with how to do that. So have I missed anything there, Ash? No, but I just want to add a couple of things. Uh, the guy who I believe is credited with coming up with the concept of no like, and trust, his name is Bob Berg, I believe. And he's been on my podcast twice. And he talked about being the go-giver, which is very consistent with what I'm trying to uh, convey here. And really it's about giving, you know, marketing, is at least ethical marketing is about giving it's about solving a problem it's about taking the time to really understand your audience and serve them now i'm for example i'm launching a membership site i haven't started with just trying to market the membership site like hey here buy my join my membership i'm actually doing face-to-face -face weekly calls with my beta group in my membership which would normally cost a couple of thousand dollars a month but i'm charging a fraction of the price at the moment because for me, it, feel, it is paid research. It's, there is no deeper insight you can get from your audience by actually working with them one-on-one -on -one and serving them. The fact that I may create content off the back of this and create a, you know, a success path and so on that allows them to reach that same conclusion that I'm allowing them to reach through interpersonal one-on-one -on -one training, I may automate that and scale that down the track. But at least then I'll be solving the right problem because I've taken the time to really solve problems one-on-one. -on -one. My point is you can't create these automated marketing systems unless you first do the basic groundwork. And the basic groundwork is understand who you're serving and what specific problem you can solve better than anybody else. And then do that manually, do that painstakingly, slowly and then worry about creating all the automation around it yeah it's a great it's a great concept and i hope our listeners really dive into that that empathy map uh, map one of the other things uh ash that you are world classed at is this concept of getting to done and i love it uh you've got the domain with that also and it is as you talked about before because this is a process that can take time and you need to invest heart and soul into it as well and you know our listeners out here too they're you know they're, they're looking after patients they're running a small business they're managing st managing staff and so there can be this fatigue that comes along the way so 
Can you talk about this concept of getting to done? What are the hurdles that get in the way of us actually getting to done? And, and a couple of tips and strategies to help our listeners along the path. Sure. Just before <coughs> we um, jump into the get me to done part, I also wanted to mention I've done an episode on Empathy Maps. I'm happy to send you a link if you like, and you're welcome to link to that yes, in please. the show notes. Um, but uh, yeah, okay. So in terms of the get me to done, it, there's a little bit of a story behind this. So one of my clients, she is an international news anchor and she was very busy. She was trying to launch her media business and she was also trying to launch a passion project of hers, which is about getting, helping people find au pairs for you know, busy people, busy parents with kids and both partners are working and so on. And she was trying to do both the projects at the same time. And it was overwhelming. Plus, she had her job. She used to work for the BBC. I think at that stage, she was working for Al Jazeera as a news anchor. Uh, I think she still does. So she was doing a whole lot of things. And the way we worked together was I said to her, okay, Jules. Her name is Julie McDonald. I call her Jules. I said, okay, Jules, what we need to do is take stock of all the stuff you're doing and get clear on what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing. So using our common friend, James Schramko's concept of the effective hourly rate. One of the things we looked at was, okay, what is your time worth? And we worked out her effective hourly rate, which is the profit she makes per week, month or year, divided by the number of hours she puts in to make that profit. Now let's say hypothetically, the effective hourly rate works out to be a hundred pounds an hour. It isn't in her case, but let's say it did. Mm -hmm. uh, if she was doing say things like podcast editing or writing are doing research for blog posts, things like that, which could be outsourced for say 10 pounds an hour, then she is really costing her business 90 pounds an hour. So one of the things that, that I did was I said, okay, you're doing all this automation stuff yourself. You're doing all this development stuff yourself. So I referred her to a legendary service, which is a friend of mine. I don't get paid anything for saying this, but it's Carl Taylor's automation agency, which I use myself and I have for several years. And they took care of all of her design, all of her, uh, automation and all of her WordPress development for her. So she outsourced that. Now she had a little bit of time to think. Then we started saying, okay, what is the first thing we need to do? And we mapped a critical path for what things need to be done so that they can be outsourced to other outsourcers and where she was essentially kind of being the bottleneck. Like if she didn't release that piece of work, then other people couldn't be working on it. So we figured those things out and we got those off her plate. Now she had a bit more time and she had other people working on stuff, not just her. And so we were able to help her leverage her team. And so about a couple of years later, she said, you know what, you just got me to done. That was on one of the podcast episodes when I was having her on as a case study. And I said, I wonder if the URL is available. And I went and looked and it was. So I got getmetodone.com. And so that's how that website was born. And that's the name of my that is the URL where I offer my membership program, um, which is a bit different to my normal website, which is ProductiveInsights.com. Ash, when someone's in that early stages of bootstrapping a bit of a startup, and it might be hard for them to work out their um, hourly rate, for instance, because it might be, look, hey man, I'm just starting my chiropractic practice. I've got zero patients at the yep. moment, or I've got just a few. Um, one, how do we go about it then? And, and two, how do you deal with that tendency at the moment that says, I don't have anything coming in, so therefore I need to be doing everything? Um, do you have yeah. some thoughts in around that? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Well, um, well, first of all, if your profit is zero, then 
your effective hourly rate is zero. And yes, you probably should be doing most things, but then what matters at that stage is sequencing. So it's not about, it's, it's about, let's say you say, okay, I've got to do everything fine, but the order in which you do it matters. So for instance, if your profitability is zero and you have zero clients, then of course the most important thing is to get patients, get clients. So you need to figure out how you are going to solve a problem that people are willing to pay money for happily. And that when they pay you that money, they get much more back in value because you are doing something that is in your zone of genius, something that is your competitive advantage. So the first thing then I would say that you need to do is not go and figure out how your marketing is going to be working on Facebook, not go and create a Facebook page, not go and create a logo and buy a website and all that stuff. No, first go and serve somebody, solve a problem, prove that you have an offer, as James says, an offer that converts, an offer that delivers a solution for which someone is happy to pay for and is willing to walk away and probably tell 10 of their friends about it. Yeah, it, the amount of time in the past that I've wasted on logos and business cards and letterhead. And, you know, they come right back. You want to talk about kind of going full circle to where we start at the beginning with, I was just scared. You know, I yes. was fearful of reaching out. And the reason I was fearful of reaching out is because once I exposed myself, so to speak, is it was then an opportunity for rejection. Um, yes. I didn't have any clients. There was also no one saying no to me as, as well. So, yeah, I, I, I get it. And, and again, I encourage people to, you know, stop it with the headshots and stop it with the Instagram uh, pictures. You know, how can you move as quickly as you can to that first patient on your table that you're looking after? You know, that's where yes. you begin. And coming back to, uh, okay, here's a couple of tools that might be useful in terms of getting over that anxiety and that fear as well. But before I go to that, I want to just highlight that this is where the sequencing really does matter, right? So if you go and get yourself a patient and let's say you actually do deliver a result because most people who really are scared of going out there and putting their offer out there actually do care about their patients mm -hmm. and they are anxious about being able to deliver a solution that is worthwhile. The ones who don't care are the ones who will just go and try and sell their stuff and just, you know, be pushy about it. Uh, so if you do, if you are worried that your offer is not good enough, that's a good start because that's going to make you really pay attention and make sure your offer is good. And if it isn't good, then you try and work it till it gets to that level. You create an epic service, you create an epic offer. The sequencing, what matters is if you spend the time understanding your target audience, you serve them you solve a problem for them, you care enough to make sure you create a good quality offer, you now have something to build a business on and something that is going to start generating profit and eventually increasing your effective value rate, hopefully very quickly to the point where you can pay somebody to create your logo. Now I know that a lot of us go and create logos and try and find the perfect URL and stuff because we are scared and that's normal. All of us feel scared. I feel scared all the time. I'm feeling a little bit scared right now. But the key is being scared is not necessarily a bad thing. If you're scared, it probably means that you care enough not to sully your reputation, not to want to sully your reputation, or you, maybe you care enough not to want to deliver a bad product or a bad experience. So use that 
as impetus and say, well, you know what? It's not a bad thing that I'm scared. So let me try and use this nervous energy and harness it to try and deliver something epic. The second thing I would say is that if you're able to create an alternative persona like Todd Herman teaches and imagine yourself as being your version of Superman or Wonder Woman and being this epic uh, chiropractor or this really great um, successful person that you look up to and step into that persona, then it will help you to overcome your fears and get to solving the problem. The third thing I would say is a great tool to be, to overcome your fear is to not be inward focused, but outward focused. Mm -hmm. So if you're coming from a space of service and if you're coming from a space of, I just want to help, I want to deliver a solution. You're less likely to be caught up with too much fear because you're not thinking so much about you. You're thinking about the person in front of you, which is why we're here. We're here to serve. Yeah. It's a, um, so many uh, pearls of wisdom through there too. We, you know, when we think about all the things that, uh, you know, you hear stories of people who've uh, had a lifetime of struggling with giving up some sort of substance abuse and then they might get pregnant and all of a sudden they can stop smoking or they can stop drinking because, you know, we'll do so much for somebody else, so much more for somebody else than, than what we'll do from, from today. Ash, yeah. I want to just thank and acknowledge you right from the start. There's some concepts that even just for me, this has been, you know, that empathy map I've, I've loved, you know, the getting to done and working out my effective hourly rate and all the way through to that, you know, that piece of content, which I haven't been great at producing either for my chiropractic office and or for Adio Media is how do I help them even that step beforehand as well? So if our audience wants uh, more of Ash, where should they go and how do they find out more? And, and let's talk about your podcast, where they can find that as well. Sure. So the podcast is just on my easiest way is to go to ProductiveInsights.com. That's I-N-S-I-G-H-T-S.com. So it's ProductiveInsights.com. And if you are interested in joining the membership, I'm currently accepting founding members. And that is um, at GetMeToDone.com. I am to closing off the beta group. So I think I'm at 16 members now and I'm probably planning at this stage, I'm planning to close it off at 20. But if you're interested in joining for a month, you can do that. And I would love to have you on. Yeah. Well, Ash, thanks so much, gang. All of those notes, we'll make sure that they're uh, over on the podcast show notes. So again, adiomedia.com forward slash podcast, you'll find the episode notes from here as well. So Ash, thank you so much. Any final words that you would like to share? Uh, just start with an attitude of service. Yeah. Well, I, I, let me just again acknowledge you for being somebody that goes first. Um, you know, my whole observations of what you do inside the coaching forum over at Superfast and again in reaching out and organising this has been one of an attitude of service. So it certainly is something that you're living to and I want to acknowledge and thank you for that too as well. So thank you. My pleasure, gang. You've been listening to the Adio. You've been listening to. You've been listening to the Marketing Your Podcast, Marketing Your Practice Podcast, with Ash Roy. Ash. Until next time, we look forward to seeing you soon. Over and out, gang. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you have to come and check out the Community Influencer Program. It's my monthly coaching program where we take all this material and I'll work one on one with you 
to apply, implement, systematize, and help guide you and your practice to the next level. Now, you can join me on over at adiomedia.com forward slash join. That's adiomedia.com forward slash join. I'd love to see you in there.